Last week in Alabama, a convicted hitman was put to death using a new technique, nitrogen gas. Kenneth Smith's death raises again the issue of capital punishment and how to define what the Constitution outlaws as cruel and unusual punishment. getting into pros and cons of capital punishment, but there was another case last week, a sentencing in Muskegon, Michigan, of a mother. She defined herself as smart, college, law school. I watched the sentencing of Shanda Vander Ark. For more than a dozen minutes, this judge spoke of the systematic torture and starvation laid on her special needs son for years before he finally died. The sentence? Prison the rest of her life. A few things I believe and know from Scripture. Life is precious. When one takes a life, there should be a price paid. In the divine realm, sin must be paid for. Only in Christ are our sins remembered no more. That's what counts forever. Welcome to Haven Today, here on the final day of January. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And David Wollen, where has this first month of a new year gone? Well, they say time flies when you're having fun, Charles, and I've been having fun doing this with you every day on Haven, and it was especially fun to be with Johnny Erickson Tata. What an encouragement, Charles, finding joy in the presence of Jesus. I think the Christian's joy is a sense that somehow they have made it their ambition to be pleasing to God, and in return, they sense that pleasure. And that's the basis for our Christian joy. Charles, this clip from Johnny, I think, sums up our time with her. Despite all the suffering she's faced in her lifetime, she just exudes the joy of the Lord in her life. And it's infectious when you're around her. And very true, your statement there. And coming up, we're going to hear more from Johnny as she shares her secret to finding joy in Jesus through suffering and pain. And then we're going to turn to God's Word. That's right. We're going to go to Ephesians, and we're going to go to Isaiah. And then, after our time together in the Word, I want to invite everyone who's listening to come and support this All About Jesus ministry of Haven. And as our thank you, we'd like to send you Johnny's new book called The Practice of the Presence of Jesus. And that's available to all of our listeners as a thank you for your gift. And this book has been such a blessing to Charles and me this month. It's rich biblical content. And one of the things I love, Charles, is that it reads like a daily devotional and it takes me to Jesus every day. It certainly does. And I hope many of our listeners will make contact with us after the program and get their copy of The Practice of the Presence of Jesus. Johnny Erickson taught it. So why don't you come to haventoday.org after the program, haventoday.org. And don't forget to check out the video we shot with Johnny in the studio and take a listen to our extended interview with her on our Great Stories podcast. Or, of course, you can call us after the program at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Now let's get the program started. Here's City of Light with Sandra McCracken. I hold as I face every step for the Lord. 
It's called In the Valley. Bless the Lord. Setting alight with Sander McCracken opening this haven today. The presence of Jesus. Here it is, final day, January. I'm Charles Morris, sharing this great story, and we're continuing this program where I'm joined as well by our new president and host, David Wollen. Good to be with you, Charles. And the last couple of days have been really special. Parts one and two of an interview that you and I had the privilege of recording with Johnny Erickson Tata. It was a really special time with her, and the conversation went really deep, really fast, as it always does with Johnny. And there were moments that I know were very touching for both of us, and uh, I'd like to share one of those moments with everybody. I asked Johnny how she would counsel someone who is currently suffering right now, and what she said was pure Johnny gold. Well, if they really want to move forward into life, even though it is extremely painful, my advice is to memorize mm-hmm. as many Bible promises as you possibly can. Um, promises like Second um, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, mm-hmm. though I am hard-pressed on all sides, I will not be crushed. Promises like God is our ever-present help in this, in this, mm-hmm. in this danger. Mm-hmm. Um, promises like he will never leave me nor forsake me. Because these are the promises, a whole treasure trove of promises that we bring to the throne of God. And we bring them there so that God will exchange them with a blessing that they guarantee. Um, I do this with my pain all the time. Um, There are nights when it is so hard. It's just so hard. And I could collapse in fear, mm. but instead of fear, I grab hold of a promise like Second Corinthians 4, mm-hmm. verse 8, and I say, pain, you are out to try to crush me, but you yeah. can't, and you won't, because God yeah. promises that I will be freed from it, right. that he will see me through. So I walk into my pain, as it were, in my mind's eye, as though I were walking into the fiery furnace of Nebuchadnezzar, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm right there with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and, and I expect to see Jesus. I expect to see the Son of God. I expect yes. to, that he will rescue me in this. And then David, because I have taken that promise to God, and he has exchanged it for the blessing it guarantees, I meet Jesus. It's as though he has gone there into that place of pain ahead of me, and he has transformed it into a a place of glorious resurrection and hope. Mm. And I just get to know him better, and his sweetness and nearness sees me through. Mm. It, it, I, I don't know how to describe that. He really is that much ecstasy, Mm. and. And it makes the affliction indeed seem at the time light and momentary. Mm. Be still, my soul, for God is on your side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to Still, my soul, 
your best, your heavenly friend. Through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. That's Johnny Erickson Tata encouraging everyone to hide God's word in our hearts. His promises that we need are not if, but when we face sadness or suffering. And Charles, that was so encouraging to me. Well, I think after reading the book, it just is her life as if she is speaking to you, only she's written into a book. Now, somebody listening today may have never heard the phrase practicing the presence. That's okay. Another way to talk about this is to say we are enjoying fellowship with Jesus. It's something we want each person listening today to experience, but how do we do it? Well, by reading and meditating on God's Word, and then living that out in our lives. These are the words of Jesus, because as we've talked about in recent weeks, God's Word is all about Jesus. And when we take time to rest and ponder, to think about Him, This provides an opportunity to learn more about who we are and who he is. And Johnny sets this up well early on in her book. And when we're before the presence of Christ, what do we realize? We realize only he is holy, and we are certainly not holy. Remember that famous passage in Isaiah 6? We've used it many times on the program. The prophet Isaiah gets this glimpse behind the heavenly curtain. There it is. You're in the throne room of God. Isaiah saw holy angels covering their faces with their wings. And why was that? Because God is holy. And they said to one another in triplicate, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook. It was an earthquake. The temple in heaven was filled with smoke. Woe to me, he cried. I'm ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. But my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. When Isaiah was taken into that heavenly throne room, who did he see? Now, theologians have debated this through the centuries. Was it Father, Son? Was it even the Spirit? But when we get to John's Gospel, in chapter 12, verse 41, there's some clarity provided. There we're told Isaiah saw the eternal Son of God, Jesus, even before his incarnation. All I can respond to that is, holy, holy, holy. None of us can avoid our sin, like Chandra Vander Ark in Michigan. What happens when you wake up? It's still dark outside, and you turn on the lights. Your eyes are blinded by the sudden light. Try as hard as you can. You won't be able to keep your eyes wide open until they adjust to this new brightness. And that's a good reflection because on our own, we can't adjust ourselves to God's holiness. We can't just wait it out until our eyes can see him. He is so holy, so glorious that we have to cover our faces. We have to cry out like Isaiah, woe is me. We can't enjoy fellowship with Christ until we first see his holiness and purity and then see our sinfulness. King David did that in Psalm 51. He'd sinned greatly before the Lord, but David asked him to wash away all my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me 
against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Jesus is holy. We are sinful. But thanks be to God, David. That's not the end of the story, is it? No, thanks be to God. It's the beginning of the story, the beginning of every story of every believer. You know, Charles, it struck me listening to you talking about the blinding light of the holiness of God. And I was thinking of Saul in the book of Acts, persecuting believers in the early church and on his way to Damascus. And that's when the risen Christ meets him en route. And he reveals the light of his glory to just Saul on the road, and it blinds him. Saul's literally blinded, and he knows why, because Jesus told him, he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. His eyes cannot see. But for the first time, the light of the glory of Christ, in a sense, has opened the eyes of his soul, and he's deeply convicted. Saul thought that he was righteous, but after seeing the light of the glory of Christ, he knows he's the worst of sinners. And that's the beginning of true sight. Mm-hmm. And we know what happened in Saul's life. He became the apostle Paul. And in Second Corinthians 4, Paul writes about another type of blindness, one he knows so well because it's his own backstory. He writes, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So, Charles, knowing that Christ is holy and that you are a sinner who stands rightly condemned before God, that's the only way the story of a Christian can begin. Because without that, there couldn't be repentance. There wouldn't be an understanding of what grace really means. So, sticking with Paul, let's hear again what, for many of us, I think, are familiar words in Ephesians. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now, if you grew up like I did in the church or going to Sunday school or maybe Bible camp, these words are probably familiar. But God's grace is foreign to our instincts. We want to earn it. We want to deserve it. There was a season of my life when I wasn't working in ministry and I was in an environment that was highly competitive at work. And I remember noticing one day that every time someone got a promotion, people around that person in the company would say, well-deserved. And one time I got a promotion and that's what they told me too. We kind of want to hear that. I'm thinking, Charles, about the Super Bowl coming up here in the U.S. People mm. are going to be polling for, <laughs> for one team or the other. And nobody wants to see their team win or lose unfairly, right? Nobody wants the winning touchdown to be because a referee missed the call and gave something that wasn't earned or deserved. Charles, we're wired that way. And we assume that this is how God sees us and what he expects of us. He wants us to earn it, to deserve the salvation he's given us in Christ. But we don't. And we can't. It's a lie that we ever could. And the devil exploits that to tell us that your pathway to God is through what you do. But God's word shows, no, it's 100% what Christ has done, 0% what you have done. It's yours by faith. Simply believing and accepting what Christ has done and receiving it, as Paul says, as a gift. But what is the gift? I don't know about you, but when I hear that word, I think about a box with wrapping paper and a ribbon, the kind that you open up and there's something inside and now it belongs to you. Maybe that's what comes to your mind when you hear about this gift. But two verses back in Ephesians, what we read erases that picture because Paul gives us better words 
to describe and understand the gift. And I'll just say it in two words. In Christ. Mm, Yes. How about three words? Union with Christ. Better. (laughs) God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So, Charles, to quote a mutual friend of ours, you can't get much closer than in. And this is why we can be so audacious as to say that a Christian can and should, as Johnny says, practice the presence of Jesus. It's not something you conjure up. It's not an emotion. It's remembering, it's praying and speaking and living inside the reality of who you already are in Christ. Fellowship with him. Because you are, as a Christian and through the indwelling Spirit of God, always in the presence of Jesus. Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what Thou art. I am finding out the greatness of Thy loving heart. Thou hast bid me gaze upon Thee, and Thy beauty fills my soul. For by Thy transforming power, Thou hast made me
I'm Charles Morris here on Haven Today. Johnny Erickson Tata, backed up by the Haven Quartet in the old Maranatha Music Studios. Jesus, I am resting, resting, David. Mm. You know, Charles, this summer is going to be the 100th anniversary of Eric Little's Olympics, the one that was made famous through that popular film Chariots of Fire. And when I hear Johnny Erickson Tata talk about feeling God's pleasure, it, it reminds me of that great moment in the movie when he's on top of the hill above Edinburgh talking to his sister about living for the glory of God. I know it well, David, and I've seen that hill in Scotland. Eric Little says, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Except that for Johnny, it's not when she runs or even walks. She can't do any of that. It's every minute of life her Lord has given her. She feels his presence. She senses his pleasure. Mm, She does, Charles. And when you're around her, you realize, I can live that way too. Her Jesus is my Jesus as well. And she wants all of us to better understand where our joy comes from as believers and has written about it in her new book called The Practice of the Presence of Jesus. 110 Meditations on Christ and His Word, all of them inviting the reader to meditate and contemplate the same. So each one of these meditations ends, Charles, and this is one of the things I found I appreciated reading this book. Each one ends with a penetrating thought or question to ponder, and that will lead you nearer to Christ. And I'm happy to say, for anyone listening today, we've got plenty of copies in our warehouse And we want to send you one with our thanks for your gift to support Haven Today. Help us keep sharing the presence of Jesus with others. This is how we're on the air. This is how we reach people all over the world with programs like the one you heard today. So why don't you go online right now, haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Make your gift to this ministry and ask for a copy of the book by Johnny Erickson Tata, the practice of the presence of Jesus. And with that, you know you'll have our thanks. You can also go by phone and reach us, if that's easier, 800-65-HAVEN. That's 800-65-HAVEN. I'm Charles Morris. And I'm David Wolin. Thanks so much for joining us. Won't you come back again tomorrow? When again, together, we're going to get to share the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. For your walk with Jesus, I'm David Wolin with Haven Today, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. There are many in colder climates who loathe winter, but not everyone. There are people who relish a fresh snowfall, a cup of cocoa, and what child doesn't yearn for school to be canceled because of the weather? But there's another reason to be thankful for winter. It's a reminder of a promise God made. After the flood, Noah made an altar to the Lord and made a sacrifice. It was at this moment, God said in Genesis 8, As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. So the earth endures because of God's promise, and every winter day is a reminder. Try out Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.